Hill Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we look to you to fill us with your spirit and to remind us that we are all, each of us, fitting dwelling places for your divine life. Amen. You may be seated. Fifty days... After what had been a tumultuous Passover in Jerusalem, Jews were flooding into the capital from across the Roman Empire. It was the Feast of Shavuot, or Weeks, one of the three major observances of the Jewish calendar. And so those with the means and the ability to make the journey from scattered Jewish communities around the Mediterranean made their way to celebrate. Now, amidst the tumult, a small group of Jews who had been disciples of Jesus were secluded in a house, uncertain of what came next. According to their witness, after being crucified as a rebel against the empire, their teacher, Jesus, was raised from the dead, inaugurating the kingdom of God. And 40 days later, Jesus ascended into the heavens. And so these disciples were, you might say, on new territory. In their reading, in our reading this morning from Acts, we pick up the story. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this little story would have been experienced by these early Jesus followers as shocking and revolutionary. Because you see, these flames of fire would have brought to mind ancient stories, old stories about God's presence and ancient longings for the divine's return. In our first reading this morning, we heard the ancient memory of Israel liberated from Egypt and just beginning to know this God who had liberated them. And so to demonstrate the divine presence in their midst, pillars of fire would descend above the tabernacle, the tent at the center of the camp where where God was supposed to dwell. And so when they saw the flame, the people would know God was with them. Much later, when the temple was built in Jerusalem by Solomon, we are told that the inner holy of holies was filled with an unbearable glory, uh, just as with a tabernacle was, so that no one could enter. But since Jerusalem fell in 586 BC to the Babylonians, that glory departed. And even with the rebuilt temple, 
The flame of fire signaling the presence of God, the unbearable glory had never returned. And now, here, the flames of fire come again. And they alight, but not on the temple. They alight on the very heads of the followers of Jesus. So the startling meaning, you, disciples, you are now the very presence of God in the world. You are the signpost that God is with humanity. Do we want to know that God is with us? Well, then we have only to look at one another. Today is Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, and still thousands of years later, we tell and we retell this story, whirling wind, flames of fire, ecstatic speaking of tongues, and the church is born, and yet still, thousands of years later, the startling meaning of this story is still shocking, and it's an inheritance that we still struggle to accept. Let's personalize it. You seated here in these uncomfortable blue plastic chairs. Today there may be no whirling wind, no flames of fire, but all the same, you are the presence of God in the world. You are the signpost of the divine. Whoever you are, whatever your story, you. There are many ways we could explore this, but today I want to tease out two meanings of this story. One, the presence of God for you is community. And the presence of God for the community is you. So let's start with that first. God for you is the community. Imagine being in that room. Imagine being in that upper room with the flames of fire. Imagine the person seated next to you right now with flames of fire dancing over their head, proclaiming, this is the temple of God. If you would experience God's presence, look here. Well, this today might be a little less dramatic, but what if we tried this out for a moment? The presence of God for you is here in this human community. Now, there's a few different ways we could take that, uh, which might be a misunderstanding and lead to disappointment. First, we could understand that to mean that the, the presence of God is in our community only. Flames of fire resting on those who look like us, who think like us, who believe like us. But the book of Acts goes on to, to break that down. As the disciples just keep on discovering that the Spirit of God is hovering in places that they think the Spirit of God has no business being. With the outsiders, with the other. And so we have to say that the presence for, of God for us is in the widest possible human community. Second, we could, we could assume that this means that the community is going to be God for us. If we say that God is in the community for us, then the community must be God for us, meaning they're going to meet our needs. Surely now, at least at last I found it, that community that will not fail me or disappoint me. Well, that's not going to work out. We all remain human and so limited. We get tired we get cranky. We don't always come through. We sometimes hold the most incomprehensible opinions, and we can be downright unpleasant at times. 
third, we could misunderstand and think this means that our, our richest and our most lively spiritual experiences are going to be in community. And that's not necessarily the case. As a strong introvert myself, I often feel God much more palpably in solitude, in silence. Uh, I'd rather often go on a hike in the woods than sit in a weekly home group if I want to feel God. So what do we mean by saying that the presence of God for us is in the community? Well, one meaning, and this might seem too obvious, but it's actually quite profound. In community, I encounter people who are not me. When I was in college, I had a professor who became like a mentor. And there was a group of us uh, Christian philosophy students, and he was a philosophy professor. And uh, we would meet every Saturday morning, and we would drink coffee, and we would discuss essays and books, and I loved it. He had a habit, though, of talking in aphorisms, uh, these little nuggets of wisdom, these sentences with no explanation, no context, just set out there on the table for you to chew on. One day, he turned to us and he said, I've learned one thing about friends. Let them be. Just let them be. And we nodded and sipped our coffee and had no idea what he was talking about. Over the years, though, I've come to recognize how hard it is to let our loved ones be who they are, to let them be. As soon as we live in community, our, our e little ego starts worrying, and it comes out and all the ways we've learned throughout our lives how to just nudge people, to get them to be more like we'd like them to be, so they meet our needs a little bit more easily. And the more intimate we become, the more that little machinery of the self gets going. It can be so hard to untangle if we're loving them or if we're loving what they're doing for us, right? But the gift of community is all these people who are themselves. And learning to see and delight in one another for who they are without agenda is a window into delighting in God. This is a mystery, which I think the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins has captured so beautifully. He writes, as kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame, as tumbled over rim in roundy wells stones ring, like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung finds tongue to fling out broad its name, each mortal thing does one thing and the same, deals out that being indoors each one dwells, selves goes itself. Myself, it speaks and spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more, the just man justices, keeps grace that keeps all his goings graces, acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is, Christ. For Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his to the Father through features of men's faces." Let them be, letting each person we meet be themselves, learning to listen to their stories and their lives, is when we hear, like a hung bell's bow swung, flinging out broad its name, Christ. 
lovely through the features of our neighbors' faces. The community is our contact with reality, which, with what is not us, where we can come to learn what is in all its difference. So the presence of God for us is in the community. But I think that it's even harder for us to accept and hold on to the second part. The presence of God for the community is you. Think now of your own face, your own body in the mirror with all your history and all your experience and all that you hide and all that you feel you lack and all the disappointments and limitations and the dreams you hold so tender that you don't even dare whisper them aloud even to yourself, all of you. And over your head, the dancing flame of fire, your life, your human life, is perfectly suited to be the temple of God. Oh, but we have invested so much energy in searching out the ways that we are not enough and trying to improve, to grow. We live with self-recrimination and anxiety and imposter syndrome and self-doubt and shame. Or we live busy as beavers, damming up the river of anxiety by performing. Always, always, always. Maybe you don't feel that way. I hope you have relaxed into yourself with a deep love for every inch of your existence. But I think for many of us, the demand of self-improvement haunts us every day. Do you ever have those raw, unedited thoughts that shoot into your head when you're not thinking about anything in particular? You know, your mind is wandering, you're in the shower or mowing the lawn or washing the dishes and your mind starts wandering and then out of nowhere, an electric bolt of unwelcome articulation I do. For me, most commonly, that thought is, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? My mind will wander, and I'll come across a memory of a time I didn't live up to my expectations, and my face will scrunch in a scrawl, and I'll lash myself with the thought, what is wrong with you? And for years now, I've been working, when those moments come, to pause and to gather up that embarrassing memory and gentle myself and say, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just human. It's okay to learn. It's okay to be human. These words came to me from Annie Dillard's essay, An Expedition to the Pole, in which she reflects on God's deep delight in our humanness. She wrote, Week after week, Christ washes the disciples' dirty feet, handles their very toes, and repeats, it is all right, believe it or not, to be people. It is all right, believe it or not, to be people. Just as you are, just as I am, our lives are now perfectly suited to be the presence of God for others, which is to say we are right now good for our community, just as we are. Now, right here is right about where my church upbringing wants to butt its head in and say, now hold on, it's all well and good to talk about God loving us, but surely there's at least a few character flaws you ought to be working on and I can list them for myself. You can list yours. If, and we could just go around, you know, if we just go around telling everybody uh, that they're good for others just as they are, well then isn't that gonna take away our motivation for growing? 
I mean, we can't just go around liking ourselves. We won't ever get anything done. (laughs) Well, I'd like to suggest that this voice is not the voice of Christ, but the voice of capitalism. Contentedness is inimical to capitalism, not Christianity. Anxiety and self-doubt are not Christian virtues, but they are very effective marketing schemes. What if the best way to live into our calling, the best way to be the presence of God for the community is to relax, to say to ourselves, who I am right now is well-suited to bring the life of God to my community. I am the kind of being who can love well. This isn't about the power of positive thinking or overlooking our shortcomings or pride. It's about naming our capacity. Think about it this way. Uh, Let's say you decide to run a marathon or to ballroom dance or to write a novel. Pick the one which seems furthest from where you are right now. (laughs) But you firmly and deeply believe, oh, I am not the kind of person. I am not the kind of person who could do that thing. But you decide to do it anyway. Maybe you think you're supposed to. Well, you might grit your teeth and discipline and work against yourself, but without being able to imagine yourself realistically getting to that goal, without being able to imagine yourself as the kind of person who could do that thing, you will eventually burn out and give up. This is why representation matters. Uh, We have to see people like us doing the things we dream us, which tells us, yeah, I could do that. I could be gay and be a pastor. I could be a runner. I could dance. Don't tell my husband I said that. (laughs) Think then of Jesus as representation for humanity. Jesus' human life shows us that we are, at our core, the kind of beings who are capable of being nonviolent, capable of being loving, non-judgmental, present to everyone. To be human is to be good for others. That's what it is to be human. Now, do we have room to grow into that capacity? Oh, of course. Of course we have room to grow, but only because it's already who we are. We already are the presence of God for others. And we have our lives, and maybe longer, to unfold into that beauty. This Pentecost, maybe the invitation for us is to let others be themselves and let ourselves be ourselves. To see that it is good, in fact, beautiful, after all, to be human to be in process and learning and unsure and incomplete. These are words I don't like, but they're good. And all of it acting out in God's eye, what in God's eye we are, Christ. For Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his, to the Father through the features of human faces. One last thing connection I want to make here. Uh, It's a delight to me that Pentecost frequently falls near the start of Pride Month, and it's not because we gays are flaming. (laughs) Thank you. No, it's because 
The story of pride belongs to LGBTQ people who have been told in so many ways that they don't belong, that we are wrong or broken or unacceptable, and who, that who all have this, uh, who, and who all have decided all the same, that their difference, their otherness, is a good and beautiful gift to humanity. Just as we are, we are good for those around us. It is when we, all of us, can allow ourselves to see, yes, me, I am well suited to be good for those around me. That's when we're able to grow and learn and live into our capacity out of joy and not out of anxiety. This is what we mean when at Pearl we say that we want to be animated by divine love. Maybe on Pentecost we could say we want to be aflame with divine love. As a community, we are most able to make tangible the presence of God to one another when we see that our humanness is no shortcoming. Do we have room to grow and become and unfold? Yes, of course, because we already are what Christ was, the beloved of God. Will you pray with me? God, on this Pentecost, we ask you to send forth your spirit to fill us and help us to see that we are right now perfectly suited to be your dwelling place. May we see those around us as suited to be your dwelling place. And may we see the beauty of Christ playing in 10,000 places. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.